It's me. Let's go. Just when I have all the answers, all the questions change. One day the world looks so normal, next it looks so strange. And welcome once again to me talking to myself. Me. Trying not to be self-conscious about my breathing. I noticed the last time I did this that I sounded out of breath most of the time. I think it's just a lack of professional training, maybe? Maybe, who cares? I was uh, speaking of professional training. I was just listening to a podcast of the man I must mention at least once every time I do my own podcast, and that's Mark Marin on his WTF. What the fuck? He was talking to Megan Mullally. Mullally? Mullally? Megan Mullally. She's done a lot of stuff. Uh, Will and Grace. She's... Um, Also known for being married to Nick Offerman, who was on Parks and Recreation. So they are a successful acting couple. She mentioned the fact that uh, she didn't have formal acting training and also that she's also a singer on on the side. Or I guess as part of her career, she also is lesser known for doing uh, singing in a, it sounded like a, like big band stuff, like 1940s jazzy big band stuff. Pretty cool. But my point is about the training. Because off and on, I have taken some classes. For, in fact, for quite a while, I was really devoted to this, um, Not this. This is a podcast. I'm somewhat devoted to this, but this is not about training. I don't have podcast training. And that's kind of my point here. Not kind of. It actually is my point, is that uh, there are so many ways to do things. I took acting classes for a long time, and uh, and that's fine. You know, at the time, I needed it or felt I needed it for various reasons, whether for my acting pursuits or just for my state of being, my psychological well-being. Because my um, attending acting classes, uh, coincidentally, see, I don't, I don't, coincidentally coincided with uh, the end of my marriage or nearing the end of my marriage. I started, I started pursuing acting and going out on auditions and taking classes on a regular basis in 2006. And sometime, it's kind of fuzzy, but sometime, you know, later, the marriage wasn't going well at the time, although I was thinking, well, you know, it's just, it's marriage, right? And uh, I just thought it was just, I don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember thinking it was the end. In fact, it was my wife who ended up making the request to end it. 
at the time she did. I, I don't, I didn't really argue that much. It was heartbreaking, but, uh, I didn't argue much, but here's the point is my attending acting classes and, uh, starting to pursuing, starting to pursuing <laughs> grammar much. My, um, the start of my pursuit of acting was, uh, yeah, they, they coincided. Now, I don't remember that being a conscious choice, but, I, you know, who knows? Who knows what makes us do things, right? Looking back, I think maybe it wasn't coincidental. Maybe it was uh, another one of those things just like at the end of, or at or near the end of my first marriage back in the 80s is when I started uh, seriously pursuing stand-up comedy. And so... I don't think uh, I don't think it's a coincidence. Now looking back, there's a pattern. Two isn't really a, a tremendous pattern, you know, scientifically or statistically speaking. But I guess they coincide. I felt the need to express myself and be myself and get out there and um, you know pursue my dreams or just pursue something, express myself. And you know when you're ending a relationship and you're either losing your identity or part of your identity or question, questioning your identity, I guess it's natural that you would start uh, doing stuff that would satisfy yourself or figure out who yourself is. Pardon me ma, while I take a drink of water. <clears throat> So Megan Mullally, it's the thing about uh, that there's no one way of doing things. And while I do think I got something out of my uh, number of years of going to acting classes, uh, it was specifically, it was really focused on acting for film and television where, where you tend to want to be smaller and do less than, say, you know, when you go uh, to do theater acting. Theater acting, you can be bigger in fact, you pretty much have to be bigger, depending on the venue, but most theater venues are large, cavernous places. There are some small black box places, but, but the point is, in theater, you, you tend to be bigger. And in film and TV, you tend to be smaller. So a lot of what I learned from uh, focusing on film and TV acting is how little you can do, and the camera still picks it up. And I picked up a, a number of other things, I suppose, over the years that I don't need to go into now because that's not really the point. The bigger point is one of the things that started to annoy me towards the end of uh, going to acting classes was my uh, acting teacher's insistence that you really weren't a real actor unless you were constantly going to class. And at the time... I didn't really think too much about it other than I believed him. You know, I, I had put my trust in him and, and, you know, and that's fine. That's his opinion. But I, I just don't really, now looking back, I, I'm just thinking, yeah, of course he would say that because he's an acting teacher. He charges people to go to class every day slash week, you know, somewhat on some kind of regular schedule. So, of course, he's going to say, you should be going to acting class. But here's the thing, the thing, as if there's only one thing. There's no one way to do anything. Megan Mullally is just on the 
the top of my mind because I recently listened to her, but she's one of many people I've heard on podcasts talking about not having any uh, formal training. And then there's other people who have had a, a shit ton of formal, formal training and even very experienced and well-known as, uh, askers, actors who continue to have coaches and, and have training throughout their careers. And also, you know, athletes, that's something too, is that Tiger Woods um, comes to mind, although he, you know, he's not really, he's not what he used to be, but that's not the point. Tiger Woods and pretty much any professional golfer that I've, I'm aware of, they have coaches, they have swing coaches, they have very specific coaches. Then uh, they don't stop that once they become number one in the world. They, they, they continue to have coaches. So, you know, there's something to be said for that, but it's just part of my self-justification that I don't really need a coach or a trainer if I don't want one. For one thing, I'm really not as serious about this as I used to be. I enjoy it, this, and when I say this, it's kind of italicized in quotes around it. I don't know what this is, but this is just uh, being creative whether it's being creative on my own terms like this, just talking to myself and then uploading it and maybe somebody will listen to it. Um, whether it's that or, or doing something with or for somebody else, um, you know, I, I'm not really pushing it anymore. There have been times when I've just been really serious in pursuing it and thinking I'll turn that into a career. And that's all fine and dandy. You know, it was at the time, but... At some point, I just realized how much effort I was putting into it and getting very little back. And ironically, uh, there have been times when I've gone, like, uh, for instance, in 2006 that I mentioned earlier. When I first started going to Los Angeles, I, I'm i a geek, so I keep track of things and spreadsheets and calendars and stuff. And I, I kept track of how many times I went to Los Angeles, and I, as I, I recall, it was 26 times in a year. So it's averaging about two a month. And uh, every time going to Los Angeles, because I live in, in uh, San Diego County, uh, it's a, at least a couple-hour drive up and a couple-hour drive back, and that depends. It can be anywhere between an hour and a half to four hours each way. But let's just say averaging two or three hours up, up and up and back. So if that's four to six hours. Plus, I'm, I would make sure to get up there early enough so I wouldn't be late, which means there's some padding. So that's another hour and a half or so. And then there's the audition itself, which tended to not take all that long. But you never know. Sometimes they'd be stacked up in the waiting room. And anyway, point being, it's like that's basically a full day. And I would still be, I would still do my job, my day job. I would work it out so I would do a little bit of my day job, go to an audition, and then finish my day job in the evening. But point being, anytime I went up there, it was an investment of eight hours of my life. That's like a full work day. And that was just for the chance of maybe getting a gig. In fact, normally the way it works, I don't know if, if you're not an actor, I'll let you know. If you are an actor, you know this. The general thing is, you submit yourself for an audition, so do a lot of other people. So even just getting an audition is, is a sh you know, it's low odds. But then you get the audition, 
And then the way a lot of projects work is they'll also then have a callback, so they'll narrow it down even further. And then from that, there will be a booking or not. So, uh, but anyhow, anyway, I'd worked out the math basically saying that I, I, I've been averaging, I was averaging for the first few years anyway, and I haven't been tracking it since, but like I would have to go on 14 or 15 auditions or callbacks to book one gig. And, and I, oh my God, that's just, that's a lot of effort. Now, if you're serious and you want to make a career out of it, that's just what you do. In fact, you know, if you're really serious and want to make a career out of it, if you're in LA or New York or, or wherever you are, London, Paris, (laughs) let's think internationally here. Your people that are really serious are going out on multiple auditions a day. If you're lucky enough, if you have a good enough agent to get you that many auditions, but you're at least going on multiple auditions a week. So the fact that I was going up to L.A. twice a month was really nothing in the whole scheme of things. That's not really a lot of effort. But for me, I was like, oh, my God, that's, a, that's an investment in time. And then I also had uh, auditions done here in San Diego that I would be going to, which it wasn't as much of an investment in time, but it's still time. But here's my point. I don't know how many other auditions I had in San Diego, but let's just say another 10 or a dozen. So that's probably approaching 40 auditions, and and I think I booked two. I worked twice. So since then, you know, it's tapered off, and I got to the point where I, 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 I selectively submit myself less and less to stuff in Los Angeles because it's got to be worth my time. I'm not going to be going up there 14 times, for instance, you know, to book one gig that pays $100. You start dividing that out and you realize you're making pennies an hour. And okay, if you're in love with the craft, great. Yeah, and I, at some extent, maybe not in love with the craft, but at least have a, you know, kind of like it. I guess the point I'm leading to is I was putting forth a lot of effort and getting very little back and there was really, you know, no end in sight because even people who've been doing this for a long time and are very devoted to it and have made the move and live in Los Angeles and have immersed themselves and they're very serious about it and they've got that kind of day job or night job or, you know, driving an Uber has become popular these days. It's kind of like the, what used to be waiting tables now, uh, people who are acting or pursuing other things in the arts can can drive an Uber and make their money and it's flexible, but, um, it's, there's not really an end in sight. There's a tip of the, there's a tip of the iceberg or the top of the mountain where some people will eventually, you know, maybe not have to put as much effort into auditioning because they get offers, but that's, that's really, that's rarefied error. So all of that effort with all that little payback, and I realized, no, there's other ways I can do this. There's other ways I can satisfy my creative desires. I don't necessarily have to be famous or even not famous, but be on national TV. Where, or where, where. I, get, I get excited, though, and I can't lie. It still does thrill me. Every once in a while, I'll get the chance to go to L.A. for an audition, or I'll just uh, hit a comedy club up there and, and sign up for an open mic. And there's, there's just something, there's something different about it. The stakes are higher. Or even if the stakes are higher, it's just the mystique. So I'm not going to kid myself or you if you happen not to be me. I'm not going to lie and say that it still doesn't excite me to an extent. 
but really less and less. It really excites me less and less. I don't, I don't need that, that um, external reinforcement of me <laughs> telling me that I'm okay somehow. And then uh, here's kind of the funny thing is even as little as I go up there to L.A. or, or even audition in San Diego now or uh, get gigs from people that I just I know through the grapevine that I've met over the years, I'm, I'm really hardly putting forth any effort and I'm still working a couple few times a year, which is just as much as I was working when I was putting in a lot of hours and a lot of miles in my car. So there's that. There's the external stuff. I'm still, yeah, I still got my toes in the water on that. But, but mainly it's, it's like this. It's this. The, this, literally this. The words coming out of my mouth right now. This, talking into a microphone, just sitting in a bedroom of my apartment. My, my daughter Autumn's bedroom, to be precise. Although it's, it's kind of my bedroom when she's at co- away at college. I, I leave most of the things untouched so uh you know because it is her room but but it, but it's it's it, i guess it doesn't matter whose room it is the point is it's a room in my apartment i'm not leaving my apartment hey kind of like mark Marin. he works out of his garage if you didn't know and this guy's got lots of listeners but i'm not motivated by that anymore really i'm not I'm doing this more for the same reason uh, that I wrote in my journals for years. I, I used to write in a journal, and as I've said many times, and I'll say again now, it's not a diary, because I'm a guy. Guys don't write in diaries. Guys write in journals. Guys keep logs. Captain's log. So yeah, I've written in a journal over the years. So the, this feels more like that. It's just it's just the need to express myself, and I've become more motivated by that. By just wanting to express myself and not having external goals. My goals have become more internal recently. And I guess I've always had those internal goals. And when I say that, I mean the internal goal of just being satisfied. Just? <laughs> like that's a little thing. Being satisfied, being happy, being content. These are all good things. And on the one hand, it's like it's demotivational though, isn't it? I mean, if you're happy, if you're content, if you're satisfied, then you're not going to be striving for things, are you? I don't know, maybe. I sense uh, that one of my one of my, uh, I don't know what, what to call them, heroes. Uh, not a hero. Um, template prototype? <laughs> I don't know. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is one of these people that I look up to as, uh, he just seems to have it all squared away. He seems like a happy, satisfied guy and a nice guy. And I say seems. I should probably take the word seems out of it because I haven't, I haven't heard any evidence to the contrary. In fact, everybody who have ever heard that has talked to him or knows him personally, you know, says that he is who he is. I mean, what you see is what you get. And he's a nice guy. He's talented. He's nice. He seems, he seems. Now, this is the part I can't speak for him, but he does seem happy. And yet he's still pursuing 
excellence in what he does. So, yeah, so I guess just because you're happy and satisfied, it doesn't mean you stop striving. But in my case, that's where I'm at right now, is I'm not, and I say right now, because I don't know, it could change. I could wake up tomorrow and go, hey, I want to be a ballerina. And that requires a lot of work. Being a ballerina, from what I've gathered, is very, very training intensive. You know the thing I said earlier about like being an actor or a singer? You don't necessarily have to have training, although you know I'm sure it's beneficial, but it's not required. Being a ballerina, probably a good idea to have training. So what if I woke up one day and decided I wanted to be a prima ballerina? Then I would. Then I would do whatever I had to do to, to do that. But in the meantime, it's it's the internal goals. It's you know, I I I want to. I'm thinking rather than going for the big time, the big time outside. I want to be big inside. There's this whole big world inside, and that's what I'm striving for, if there is striving. Although, as I've mentioned a number of times. Uh, and will this will now be re- now be repetitive if you've heard it? But hey, aren't we all just repeating ourselves over and over again? Even that thought is repetitive. Being big inside, it's uh, but striving, striving. That was the thing. It's like I, I just I'm striving not to strive. There's this balance, this middle way, this feeling that you know uh, maybe it's. Maybe it's just because I because I just got back from the jacuzzi, which, oh, by the way, very satisfying. My apartments have a jacuzzi, and I go months, months at a time forgetting about that. And then when I get back into it, I go, oh, my God. I've, I've set an alarm to remind myself every weekday, every workday, I'm going to the jacuzzi. I'm having a mini vacation. And so maybe that has relaxed me to the point where I'm really thinking, you know, I don't need to strive. I'm happy where I'm at. (laughs) But even when I'm doing stuff, even when I'm doing my day job, which I enjoy, and even when I'm doing this right now, which I guess if I stop to think about it, let me stop. I'm enjoying something I like to do. Not it's just I don't want to strive to push myself. It's it's you know being in the moment and being being good and working hard. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be striving like going like oh, like gritting your teeth and making the veins pop out of your neck. I felt in fact I felt it as I started simulating striving. It doesn't have to be that way. You could just be uh, relaxed. You know, man. In fact, you know, when we get out of our way and relax, uh, we tend to do better. That's flow, man. Getting that flow experience, you know. There was a... It's funny when I look back at not that long ago. Well, I guess it's been several years now. When did I start doing that? Sometime in 2010, I think, I started doing these crappy YouTube videos. And when I say crappy, I'm not being um, falsely modest. I mean, they were crappy. 
I might have done, I might have done some that were okay, but, but the main thing is I, I think I did a couple hundred. For a while, I, I had set this expectation, or I, I, I said I, I hired myself. And this kind of ties back into something I was talking about earlier about the uh, external versus internal satisfaction or the or uh, wanting to impress people who are outside of me versus uh, wanting to just satisfy my own needs. I was uh, at a point where I was just not satisfied with the amount of work that I was getting as an actor, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to hire myself. And there's, you know, there's obviously a lot of models for that. There's a lot of, a lot of people who've, who've said uh, and continue to say that the reason that they've got the careers that they have, these are people with uh, established careers in whatever field. It doesn't have to be entertainment. That the reason they've got the career that they have is because they took control of that, that career. Instead of constantly begging for opportunities, they made their own opportunities. So I thought, hey, I'm going to do YouTube. I'm going to do YouTube every day. And I, and I made it, I set it as a goal. That's it. Every every day I'm going to do a video. And then it's just every day. And when you do something every day and you're, and you're not, it's not really, it's just not my strength coming up with funny, because I was trying to be funny mostly, sometimes serious. Like, you know, like this, I'm not trying to be anything. I'm just, I'm just talking. It's just a audio journal. But for the most part with the YouTube videos, I was I was trying to be funny and not succeeding. And when I look back at it, I was like, oh my God. And even at the time, I guess I knew it was not all that great, but but my justification or rationalization for them not being all that you know, excellent is I didn't feel like I was competing with with professional show business. I didn't feel like I was competing with the networks or with or with now like with Netflix which has really become a network I, I didn't feel like I was competing with the elite I felt like I was just competing with other YouTubers and wanting to become one of them and get a lot of subscribers and followers and hey eventually I know once again here's the pattern quit my day job and make thousands of dollars a day doing YouTube videos just like before when I quit my day job back in the 80s because I'm, I'm going to be a comedian and then I'm going to get on a sitcom and I'm going to make $50,000 a week. Yeah, maybe maybe it's time I broke that pattern. Well, I don't know. <laughs> again, I might wake up one day and get that disease again. But for now, I realized that those crappy YouTube videos I did is like, even though I did pick up some editing skills, some video editing skills, I enjoyed that. I still enjoy that now because now occasionally when I do get the urge, I do some videos, but not where I'm really doing sketch. That was the thing I was doing before as I was writing stuff and I was doing kind of like sketch comedy on YouTube. But it was mainly a, a daily vlog of various forms. Because I wanted to be a YouTube famous person. And now, seriously, believe me. Oh my God. When someone says, believe me, oh, dare I mention him by name? No, I'm not going to. There's a certain politician now that says that a lot. And you know, 
red flags go up because that's, you know, when somebody says, I'm going to be honest with you now. Oh, you mean as opposed to all that other stuff you've been saying for the last 27 minutes and 28 minutes and two seconds? Yeah. But really, this, I'm not pushing or marketing myself to get followers or subscribers on, on this. It's just something I like to do. Really. I'm on it. I'm serious. Even though I will probably post this on Facebook so that my three and a half loyal listeners can know that I've done it. I'm not even sure I have those three and a half loyal listeners anymore because the last couple of times I've posted on Facebook, I didn't really get any response. Maybe a couple of likes, but I don't know if they listened because they didn't comment. And again, that's fine. Again, who am I talking to? Am I trying to convince myself? Do I need to convince anybody? What do I need to do? I don't need to do anything. Except breathe, eat. That's pretty much it. So I started mentioning, although, like I said, I don't really want to mention him by name because he's getting enough attention, but there's a certain politician running for president who who shall remain nameless. Actually, he's got a name. And of course, you know what it is because he puts it on everything in big gold letters. But I guess, you know, thanks to him, I've just, uh, or maybe just thanks to politics in general, I've withdrawn once again from the big world. I can't, uh, I'm lying. I haven't withdrawn. I still get curious. I still get morbid, morbidly curious and check my Facebook feed and, and maybe when I see his big old squinty orange face, I still do look at what the headline says now and then or click through on an article. But for the most part, I'm, I'm just, I'm done with it. And while I say, you know, it's not all him or his fault necessarily, because I, I think I just get, I just get tired of politics and the news on a periodic basis anyway. And especially when it becomes this time of, you know, the four year cycle where we're just being bombarded with stuff. So glad I don't have television in the traditional sense. I mean, I do watch things. I have Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Prime. And YouTube and other various places on the internet. But the point is, I don't have, I don't watch traditional real-time broadcast television. Except recently I was watching a football game. I was watching the USC game and seeing the political commercials coming on. It's like, oh God, I just, you know, I'm so glad because you'll see the same negative, nasty attack ads, you know, like 20 times during the course of one football game. And I'm like, oh my God, so glad I don't have to put up with that. I'm withdrawing. Does it mean I don't care? No. And I know this is something I've said before, and I will repeat it, is that my whole thinking, my way of thinking is there are seven and a half billion people on the planet. And then let's, uh, you know, it's, and there are plenty of activists. I don't know what percentage of those people are, are activists going out there and actually physically, you know, like rubber on the road or where the rubber meets the road or um, trying to enact change. Directly, I don't know how what percentage, but there's plenty. Point being, I don't think me not being an activist is going to really 
you know, fuck up the world. And then conversely, I think what I what I do personally to help the world is, you know, aside from whatever charitable charitable donations I, I give, <clears throat> is just being a, what I think is a nice person. Raising my kids to be nice people, and and, and part of that is is them though, is that they they're they're nice people, and at least I think. And I think I'm a nice person, at least nicer than I used to be, <laughs> or, or at least nice most of the time. It's all a spectrum. But I don't need to be out there pounding the pavement or knocking on doors or uh, being a politician or being an activist. I don't need to do that in order to make the world a better place. In fact, a lot of what's happening in the world or what is, has happened in the world throughout history and continues to happen to make the world a better place is done in spite of politics, not because of it. You know, the iPhone uh, comes to mind as, as just the most, you know, a recent example over the last 10 years. I mean, it wasn't governments that created the iPhone. There's a There was a foundation laid a number of years ago where it was the government that had a lot to do with the Internet happening. But eventually what happens, you know, the pervasiveness of the Internet and how it's become something that's... Uh, for good or for better or worse, has become such a ubiquitous part of our life. I mean, that that has nothing to do with politicians. That has to do with uh, with people connecting, with people communicating with each other, with businesses wanting to make money, all, all these things that we do. And while there is a Venn diagram that shows there's going to be crossover where politicians do get involved with these things, in a lot of instances, they're they're more of a disabling factor than an enabling one. There are exceptions. There are laws, Civil Rights Act and other positive laws that will, you know, help people. But, you know, there's just so much gridlock and nastiness in politics. And I'm not going to say now because it's, just, it's always been that way. Whenever anybody says, uh, you know, this country's never been more divided. I go, Civil War? Ring a bell? So my at least a partial withdrawal from politics is, is currently happening. Because here, here's the thing. You know, my attachment to or detachment from political parties doesn't necessarily define me. I've been uh, registered independent, and that's not as the independent party, but just like a nonpartisan. I've been registered nonpartisan for quite some time now, and I've I've voted for Democrats. I've voted for Republicans. I've voted, you know, over the years. I've I, I have not been loyal to any one party. But point being, I I'm not defined by you know, whatever my political views happen to be, even though in some cases, yeah, your political view views do line up with your, the way you treat people. Um, but, you know, I could, I don't know the political views of anybody that I work with. We get along just fine. Maybe that's why. I'm sure that a lot of the people at work that are hardworking honest people with integrity belong to both political parties, both of the major political parties in the United States, 
But we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> it does not define me. What does define me? I don't know. I am what I am. I is what I is. Isn't that a Popeye thing? I am what I am. And, and lately what I am is, uh, what I am doing is taking like mini staycations. It's a mindset really. I uh, Here's what I am. I am, although this is difficult, if not impossible to quantify, I mean, there's no objective measurement for it, but I don't recall a time in my life when I've been happier about more, you know, just happier, period. And then if you start looking at, you know, like, happy about what? You know, like, well, happy with my day job. I'm happy with my family, which is now me and my two kids. That's my family. What else is there? Happy with uh, my hobbies or my avocation, as it were, like this. Or the occasional acting gig that I get. Just, I'm happy. Happy with uh, sitting down and playing Splatoon on my Wii U. And the occasional Pokemon Go jaunt. Happy with whatever. I don't remember a time where I've been more consistently happy. Boom! Lightning bolt drops dead. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? The, the feeling that I get, I'm sure that I'm not the only one. When I'm happy, I feel, oh my God. I jinxed it. That's it. God is going to strike me dead. <laughs> How dare I be happy? How dare I be happy? Well, I don't know. I don't know how I dare, but somehow I do. And hopefully I continue to, and that lightning bolt doesn't occur sometime soon. So that does it for this time. I have been and will continue to be Joe, whatever that means. Talk to you later. Bye. Just when I have all the answers, all the questions change. One day the world looks so normal, next it looks so strange. Looking over the ocean. On a sunny day I'd like to stay here forever It would be okay